going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jake Brainy, on this beautiful Saturday, August 10th morning. Uh, big week. Just uh, just finished up a very big week. Last time I spoke with you guys, we were heading into the trade deadline. We were heading into my girlfriend's birthday. Uh, special birthday shout out to uh, Sarah Swen, frequent guest of the podcast back in the uh, old 502 days. And uh, birthday shout out to uh, Janine, my other friend, who uh, birthday was yesterday. August, fun time birthdays. And then an even more special birthday shout out to my new second cousin. I think this is the relation, not second co- or not uh, cousin once removed. I think it's second cousin, my cousin's child. Uh, my cousin Marissa just had uh, a baby girl, Lila May Muzika. Welcome to this world, Lila. Excited to meet you and and uh, happy that the whole fam is doing well. Marissa, congratulations again. Uh, um, you know, just uh, really excited for all of you guys. And I keep pumping out the videos of the boys meeting their baby sister. It's adorable. It's freaking, it's great. It's a love it. And uh, can't wait to meet them. So great week of birthdays to start off August. How about that? Uh, I had a birthday this week and a very special one. This was number 30. Uh, coming in, I was like, you know, 30s really, you know, I, like everyone's like, so what are you going to do? What are you going to celebrate? Well, I'm like, you know, I really, I, I don't care. I, I don't care how I'm going to celebrate. Like, I just want to see my friends, uh, see my family, hang out with my girlfriend, uh, hang out with my sister, hang out with like any cousins that could be around. I was like, really, I just want to like see people. And I didn't plan anything. So at first I was thinking like, you know, maybe I should have reached out to people. I said, I'm like, Hey, does someone want to be around? Like at some point that weekend, I said that one time and I was just like, Hey, just keep that open. I, I want to hang out with people <clears throat> and never really followed up. Then I, uh, you know, knew that I was going to go out to dinner with my friends, Tom and Meg, another Tom, another frequenter of the podcast and, uh, with my girlfriend, Sam. And I was just, I was like, you know what, this is, this is good, and whoever's around will be around. So I was taking them out to the BNT, which is the club I'm a member of in Spring Lake. And, you know, they did a great job distracting me. I was already distracted because uh, on our way there, uh, we got in a car accident because uh, my girlfriend was, was driving, and we got fucking rear-ended by some jabroni who wasn't even a Jersey driver. He was actually from Ohio, which was ironic considering what was about to happen. But... We got rear-ended. We're like, are you fucking kidding me? Fortunately, it was more of like a side swipe, and uh, it, it looks like it'll just be a paint job. Maybe they need to buff out a couple scratches, but uh, at the end of the day, it wasn't anything that's going to damage the car itself uh, because Lord knows she does not need any more damage to the actual car. <laughs> uh, but it was... Uh, so, so we were a little distracted there, went to Tom's, and then went over to the B&T, the four of us, and wouldn't you know it, there was celebrating up top on the deck. And I was like, ah, shit, there's a lot of people up there, like, you know, not even thinking what it could possibly be about. And then we go up the stairs and I'm thinking, hopefully there's not like a party for someone up here where like we're not going to be able to sit down and get our drinks. And by the time I'm like finishing this thought, I start to see a couple of my friends. I like peek through and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Tara Stewart. That's Serena Vinci. That's my cousin Kate and her boyfriend Tony. What the f- and, and like by the time it came to me, 
Everyone yelled surprise, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How did I not pick up on this? All the hints, all the hints, and I couldn't ever get it. Uh, the fact that my girlfriend was on her phone constantly. No, I'm not giving her a, you know crap about that. But um, the fact that like, I but I I was so surprised because everyone was like, how'd you know? Like how'd you like you know did you did you figure it out? And I'm like, no, I didn't figure it out because number one, the whole time leading up to it, I was curious to see. My girlfriend got me a very special trip in October that I didn't know what it was. So all of my focus was, what is that trip gonna be? All right. So I was mostly distracted with that. And then we were talking about the car accident, and then I was telling a story on the way in, so I never really made the connection, even though there were orange balloons up there, and there are orange balloons in my house from when Sam got, got me balloons for my birthday, so I should have made that connection easier. If I was thinking more about it, I would have, but fortunately, uh, Meg and Tom did a great job distracting me. Everyone that helped plan it, my parents, my sister, and Sam uh, did a great job and all my friends and family that ended up being there. It was really special night. It was, it was so much fun. Uh, at the club, we had a little cocktail hour, a couple appetizers, and it was a really nice night to take some pictures. Uh, it was a gorgeous, great evening. I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed and, and I'm so happy that everyone could do it. So big shout out to my group, me friends, uh, that all were able to make it. We had a, like a strong contingent, and I was happy to see everybody. Uh, shout out to my parents for planning such an awesome, awesome event and, uh, you know, putting the bill for that. It was very generous and, and very cool. And everyone had a really good time. Uh, I know my sister never gets the amount of credit she deserves. Definitely not the amount of credit she thinks she deserves, but the amount of credit she deserves. So Maggie, big shout out. I know you had a lot to do with this party and and it was it was awesome, and of course my wonderful girlfriend Sam, who definitely was uh, at the middle of all of this and did an excellent job. I uh, can't can't thank you enough. This was it was really touching, and uh, my grandparents showed up. Thank you so much, my aunt Joelle, my cousin Kate, and uh, her boyfriend Tony. Awesome seeing everybody, and then we had some brainies come in to the party, which was so cool too. Albert, Sean, and Brian Foley really appreciate you guys making the efforts to be there. This was this was a blast, and it was I I think I mean it, I got oh man the cake was awesome too. It was in everything was Cleveland Brown themed by the way. That was the coolest part is that we had orange streamers, we had brown icing with orange writing on it so to re resemble you know Brown's colors. You cut into it, and of course the cake is just one giant seven-layer Italian cookie, which is one of my faves. Uh, it was very good, and then, you know it was basically an Italian cookie covered with like chocolate icing, so nothing wrong with that. And uh, it, it was just a, a whole blast. We went, went to the Parker House from there, uh, and then went to the Columns afterwards, where by then I was getting pretty tired, but the next night... Uh, made it out again, went to Johnny Max at midnight for 30, and then came back and did a little post-party uh, post at my house, which was great because I hadn't hosted a post-party yet. So big shout-out, Ohioans, Albert and Sean, really, really stepping it up. Maggie, Sam, awesome weekend. And then, of course, birthday dinner at Charlie's, which, oh, my God, unbelievable. And we did Sam's birthday dinner at Brando's, Talk about two of the best meals you'll ever had. At Brando's, they do that gnocchi three-way. 
where they do a little gnocchi in the pesto, a little gnocchi in their tomato sauce, and a little gnocchi in Alfredo. And to be honest, all, all I need is the pesto because it's that good. But between that and their burrata and their dessert, which is a pistachio ice cream cheesecake. It's unbelievable. Covered in caramel, too. Uh, that was awesome. But then Charlie's, Sam and I f f uh, split halibut. And uh, the ribeye, and oh my god, couldn't have asked for a better combo. I mean, you know, I know fish and steak don't usually go together like that, but you know, we like to split things, and both of us wanted to have some halibut, but we were wondering if we wanted the whole halibut or not. And I was like, you know what, you're not gonna get much better ribeyes than this one. You know, it's like fifty-five dollar piece of piece of meat, and it is perfect. So it was unbelievable, and then. Uh, being showered with gifts the whole weekend too. I mean, I know I'm 30, but you know, do I really get all of these gifts and stuff? I, I big appreciation to, you know, everybody who had their hand in that. Um, for those wondering, the surprise trip that Sam had planned. Uh, drum roll, please. We're going to the Red River rivalry, Red River Shootout Showdown, whatever they're calling it now. We're going October 12th weekend. Oklahoma, Texas, in Dallas, I am thrilled. Because if you've listened to this podcast, which you probably have if you're listening right now, you will know that of the five things I want to go to, or five places I want to see, five games I want to be at, five destinations, every basic list of things I want to do, Texas, Oklahoma is at the root of all of it. I'm not a fan of either team, okay? Um... I'm a fan of the Browns, which has Baker Mayfield, and he, you know he's an, like a very famous Oklahoma grad. So I, I you know pull for Oklahoma in the fact that so does Baker. But I am not a fan of either of those teams. I just appreciate a good rivalry and good football. And I, you know what? I've always wanted to see that one. I want to see Michigan Ohio State. I want to see Notre Dame USC. I want to see there are there are tons of games out there I want to see. You know, especially like there's some SEC rivalries, there's some PAC rivalries, there are so many. But at the root of all of them, Texas, Oklahoma. Sam listens. She looked it up. She was like, "This is all doable." So we're going, and it's going to be a blast. Uh, don't know how I'm going to fit a high school football game in that weekend. Probably won't be able to. Uh, but I might need to go check out just like you know. A football practice or something and find out what you know what they love about high school football so much because you know what while you're down there you might as well right so super excited for that I am I'm just thrilled it is the best possible gift and uh, I, I'm, I'm speechless I'm I'm so happy so excited and that's gonna be a great weekend add another great weekend to this fall because wow do I have a great schedule coming up um, we got you know, after Labor Day, which is always a great weekend, get a couple fantasy football drafts in, get a couple great summer, you know, like, you know, this is like local summer starts when Labor Day kicks because a lot of people leave, but the weather stays. So, you know, and the clubs are still open, the beaches are still open, so might as well. Um, but after Labor Day, we got Brown's home opener. Boom. So that's two Mondays I'm off in a row. Then we're going Charlie's wedding. Shout out Charlie and Janine. We're almost at a month right now so big excitement for that big excitement uh that'll be red bank too so nice and local nice and local for me then monday night football 
Browns, Jets, got to get on those tickets, actually. Got to really do that. Um, now that I know I didn't get the tickets for my birthday, got to get the actual tickets myself, which I'm excited to do. Probably go up with a couple Jets fans. Might have a little crankiness on the bus, either going up or going back. Who knows what's going on, but... Uh, uh, you know what? I've been in enemy territory before. I'm a big boy. I can hold my own. Um, after the Jets-Browns Monday night football game, see here now, music festival in Asbury Park, headlined by the Lumineers and Dave Matthews Band, a little baby, and uh, B-52s, Dropkick Murphys, lots of, lots of guests. Very excited. I've never really done anything like this. So I'm excited to see what happens, what it's like. I've got two tickets uh, you know, me and my girlfriend are going to go. It's just a bike ride up from where I live. So that's another thing that's exciting is that like might not be able, you know, might not have to drive to any of this shit. So big excitement for that. Two weeks later, Adele and Nick's wedding, Rochester, New York, shout out the Gabrielli Corey wedding, Miss, Mrs. Future or future Mrs. Worldwide is what the hashtag is because Adele's at her bachelorette party right now. So shout out to those involved. Then the weekend after that, Texas, Oklahoma. And the weekend after that, my friend Brendan's engagement party. Weekend after, or not engagement party, um, bachelor party. Weekend after that, we're going Princeton, Harvard, late October, rivalry football game. Big pumped for it. And then it's November. Just like that, I am zooming through September, October. Uh, don't know how I'm going to apple pick. Don't know how I'm going to do pumpkin picking. That that might be an issue. Uh, you know, still got boyfriend duties just because I'm 30 now. So it uh, doesn't mean I, I can't throw that shit away. So super exciting fall coming up. Got a great football season ahead of us. Got baseball playoffs ahead of us. And I'm not trying to skip the summer. I know I got still got... August, September left, which is summer months. So I'm not trying to skip that. I'm just saying I'm excited for a couple events, excited for a couple things. So uh, really excited for the things coming up. And August, we've still got shit going on August. I got a bachelor party in Chicago in a couple weeks. Uh, I've got a Yankees-Indians game to go to this upcoming week. Uh, still looking at ticket prices on that. Still looking pretty low. Apparently Yankees don't sell out when they got playoff teams coming. I don't know. Um, yeah, got a lot of fun coming up. So let's jump, jump right into it. We got baseball and we've got an AL central new AL central leader in the clubhouse at the record of 70 and 46, both the Cleveland Indians and Minnesota twins are tied for the top of the AL central Indians have the tiebreaker considering they have won six of the 11 games they've played this year. Now, why is this significant? The Indians have been in first place on August 10th the last four years. So what's the big deal this year? Well, maybe because two months ago, the Indians were back 11 and a half games. And a lot of people wrote them off. I did not do this. I did not write them off. I was negative, And I showed my discomfort in where we were in the standings, but I never said over because I absolutely hate when people make decisions that far in advance. I am furious when people say, well, it's over now. No, it's not over. That's 40 games into the season. Now, did the Indians dig themselves a very big hole? Absolutely. 
Is that hole still there? Yeah, because there are still 50-something games left. So it's not as though, or 40-something games, I think 47 games left. It's not as though this hole is, is, is undone. They still have a lot of games left. They still have, I think, eight games with the Twins left, which are going to be crucial. They got tonight and tomorrow, which is big because the Indians just went through their aces. Clevenger and Bieber were spectacular to get them back to this the, this Lamarck, but they're going to have a, a, a tougher schedule because now they have Plucko and Plesac, who, you know, no offense to the young guys, they don't have the same, uh, you know, panache as the last two. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, something Indians fans have to realize is, that hole that they dug themselves, that's still going to be affecting them all season because if they've been playing like this since that hole and that wasn't that hole didn't exist, they'd be up a couple games right now. So the hole still exists. They dug out of it, but they did a lot of the heavy lifting from behind instead of heavy lifting when they're like in front, like they've had in years past where it's like, okay. But they're on a 97-game win pace. They are the fourth best team in baseball. The only teams with better records than them are the Dodgers, Astros, Yankees. So, like, for all the people that are freaking out about the Indians, and I I was negative, I was freaking out, so, like, I'll even throw myself into that. It's good that you calmed down. It's bad if you said it was over, because it certainly isn't over. They haven't done shit yet, but they are tied for the division lead. Now, how'd they get here, okay? Last week was the trade deadline. Now, a lot of teams that are looking like playoff teams don't usually trade away a starting pitcher like Trevor Bauer. But that's what the Indians did. And like I discussed on last week's podcast, it wasn't a trade Trevor Bauer because they're selling move, right? They weren't going to deal him unless they were getting major league prospects back in return. And that's what they got. They got Yasiel Puig, who will be a rental for one year. They got Franmil Reyes, who, even though he has struggled since coming over to the Tribe, has shown with the Padres, the dude can mash. He is a monster. He's literally bigger than uh, Miles Garrett. Uh, Dude is a monster who can mash, and that is not a play on the monster mash, even though I might start playing that when he does well. Um, And then they got three minor league pitchers, one being lefty starter Logan Allen, who was very highly touted Padres starter, um, one of the top 100 prospects in baseball. So they got there, and he's 22, but he's already at AAA. So there's a chance, you know, we could see him in two years being a young starter in this rotation. I, I got to say, a pretty good haul for for Trevor Bauer for a guy that they were gonna lose after next season. And probably had to trade this offseason because they just can't afford him. And people don't understand when I say they can't afford him as, well, you know, it's going to hurt them in the long run if they keep him. No, they literally can't pay him. They don't have the money to pay all these players. So they had to do something. So, like, literally. Or they're going to be fucking in trouble money-wise. So when you hear me say, like, they couldn't pay him. It's not like, a, oh, they're cheap. It's like, no, they don't have money. So they had to deal him. They did. And what did they do? They dealt him out of not only the division, but the league. 
So he's not helping the Yankees. He's not helping the Astros. He's not helping the Twins. Those are enormous stakes that, like, people are forgetting. They're like, oh, why wouldn't you just trade him to New York and get Clint Frazier and, and, and you know, a prospect? It's like, well, because th then he's on the Yankees. So, and then he's a roadblock for you, and he's going to have revenge against you saying, I'm going to beat you in the playoffs. I don't want that. Trading him to the Reds is as good as it gets, as even though he, that's the next closest team, he couldn't be farther away from hurting the Indians. So we'll see him in the Ohio Cup next year. But that's about it. Because then after next year, he's going to sign his one-year deals, and he'll be signing you know max money on one-year deals for as long as he wants. And it's probably not going to work out for him, even though it might. I don't really know. I don't really care. I appreciated everything Trevor brought here. Um, he was super passionate. Uh, he even went to an Indians game after being traded as a fan. He went to the game as a fan, and it was very surreal seeing him there because you could see, like, you know what? He uh, he might think I don't want I didn't want to get traded from here. I wanted to be part of this because now all of a sudden you're part of the Cincinnati Reds, who you know they're technically in the wild card hunt, even though they're really not. So don't know what uh, you know the plan is there for the Reds going going into next season. But I gotta imagine Trevor Bauer. You know he's probably gonna start missing these. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be a playoff team with the Cleveland Indians. So. But you traded Trevor Bauer. That's all they traded. And they got back two sluggers in Puig and Reyes and three minor leaguers, including Logan Allen, including this guy, Scott Wood. I think his name is Scott Wood, uh, um, who is a, a another lefty and another one that helps bolster the Indians' top 30 prospects. Uh, and then they get a young third base prospect who has been mashing, you know, just in rookie ball, but he's a teenager. So... They got five pros they got five players for Trevor Bauer. Yasiel Puig is a is a you know yearly year rental. Uh it'd be cool to bring him back because I, I love his energy and stuff. So who knows? Maybe it works out and they bring him back. But if anything, he's been great since coming over. Reyes has struggled, but they have him for five years, and he's getting paid under market, you know, dollar. And they have three prospects that they can work with. Great haul for Trevor Bauer. Now, you lose Bauer in the rotation, but the Indians' rotation is one of the deepest in baseball, if not definitely the deepest. Shane Bieber is an ace, if you haven't learned. All-Star Game MVP. He's in the Cy Young category right now. Just shut down the Twins last night. Dude is dude is awesome. Guy's 12th win. He's The guy's freaking awesome. Uh, Mike Clevenger, he's back to old form. His ERA's at, sitting at a cool 3-0 right now, and... He is pitching like he did pre-injury, and it is exciting to see him back because you know what? He's going to be fresh for the playoffs because he missed two months. And it was too bad because he started the season off as hot as can be in two starts, only gave up one hit, and uh, and then had to be sidelined with a back injury for two months. But he's back now, and he's looking great. Then you've got a couple young guys, Zach Plesak. Plutko, Aaron Chevalier, who nobody really knew before the season outside of Indians fans, and these guys have really carried the weight really well. Chevalier only two starts, but has only given up one run in 12 innings. Plutko, his ERA is around four and a half, but he's done a really good job where most of that ERA has come from like three bad starts. And Zach Plesak is, has been like rookie of the year for the Indians. And 
it, it looks like all of a sudden, you know, this guy who was, you know, a, a injury project that they, they drafted, they're like, okay, well, we're taking him because he's injured, but, um, you know, that's why he's this low, but they took a chance on him. He came back in two years, and all of a sudden that 2016 draft where they got Bieber and Plesak starting to look pretty frigging good now that these guys are 24 years old and going to be in the rotation for the next six, seven years. Pretty awesome about that. So that's how they round out the rotation, and you're probably noticing, okay, some familiar names are gone. Heffrey Rodriguez started the season. He's on the IL, but he may return at some point. Who knows? But Carlos Carrasco is coming back from leukemia. Hashtag cookie strong. And Corey Kluber has been making big strides. He's making all of his starts down at AAA right now, but he's going to be back at some point. And Danny Salazar made his return from two years plus of absence. Now he went right back onto the injured list, which is sad, hilarious, typical, whatever you want to look at it, because, you know, they paid him four and a half million dollars this year, even knowing that he might not come back from his injury. You know, for a small market team that can't afford Michael Brantley at $16 million, paying Danny Salazar four and a half has really fucking stung this year. Especially since Brantley is an MVP candidate in Houston, a team we're trying to chase right now. But regardless, Indians are in a pretty good spot. They have a tough stretch ahead of them. Right now, they have two more games with Minnesota where, you know, the Twins are pissed off right now that they gave up the division lead. So they're not out of the woods yet. And then they've got a trip to Boston. Or no, they're going home to play Boston. But they got the Red Sox, who can hit like anyone else in the league. Yankees and Mets, who are two of the hotter teams in baseball right now because fucking Mets, you know, winning 9 of their last 10, 14 of their last 15, 7 in a row. And they are a hot team. And all of a sudden, that series is going to matter a lot when it was supposed to be that was a Mets team that was packing it in, uh, not the case anymore. And considering the Mets are in it, that national series to end the season, that's also going to be tough. They have the Phillies two weeks before then. That's going to be tough too because the Phillies are going to still be in it. So the Indians have some very tough games ahead of them. Yankees, Mets, Nationals, Phillies, Red Sox. Eight more games with the Twins. And they have three more games with the Rays. I mean, outside of the Astros and the A's, they're pretty much playing every playoff team that you can think of, or actually any team that's like battling for it. So the Indians have a tough schedule ahead of them, but it's good to see that on August 10th, you wake up and the Indians are in first place in their division. Now it's up to them. It is, it is a hundred percent in their hands. It's not like they need this from that. They need this from Minnesota. It is in their hands. You have eight games in Minnesota. If you win five or six of them, that puts you in a pretty good spot to win the division. And you need to because Minnesota has a much easier schedule. Indians only play the Royals with uh, three more games with the Royals. Okay. And uh, I think they have six more games with Detroit and six more games with Chicago. It's not a lot. Uh, Royals have like twice, or uh, Twins have like twice that much. They still have like 10 games with the Royals. They still have like 10 games with the White Sox and like three more games with the Tigers. So it's, uh, they are going to feast on the bottom of the Central, whereas we need to deal with playoff teams. 
But it's exciting. Mid-August, in the playoff hunt, in the division lead. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's go. It's it's uh, the dog days of the summer. Indians are the hottest team since July 1st. Let's have some fun. All right, so moving off of baseball. That was another that was a good 20 minutes of baseball. Football is back. And it is back. It is so back. Cleveland Browns this week heading out of their first week of training camp into their first preseason football game. Trade Duke Johnson to the Houston Texans. Now, uh, does this help them for 2019? No, not on the field. Maybe in the locker room because maybe we don't know what was happening behind closed doors. Maybe it was like, look, we need to trade Duke right now because it is bad for the running backs right now that he's here. It is bad for the offense. It's bad for the team. Any of these could be the thing. I know there are there are a lot of Duke defenders and there are Duke haters out there. I'm not either. I'm, I'm not going to defend the guy when we don't know. You know, all we know about him is that he he wants a trade. He deleted all the stuff from the Browns before he was traded uh, on his Instagram and stuff. And it, he, he always sends very cryptic shit on, on social media. Uh, but what does he do? He plays through injuries. He's never missed a game. And uh, he's taken a backseat on horrible teams where he should have been starting. Like, we were starting Isaiah Crowell, and we should have been starting Duke Johnson. You know, he got, like, not a lot of love last year. And, uh, you know, when the Browns are finally getting good, he wants out. It's... Kind of strange. It sucks that like you put in all this hard time with bad Browns teams, only to see them getting good, and you're like, no, I want out. It's like you're already getting paid. Why not be here and enjoy this Browns ride? But he doesn't want to be here. He wants his touches. He wants his carries. He wants his starting gig. So the Browns traded him to Houston. It's obviously he didn't want to be here, and it's not because he wasn't wanted. Okay, it's more than that. Maybe he wanted to be more wanted. Maybe he wanted more attention. You know, a bigger hug. But he didn't want to be here. So they traded him. They moved him. He still showed up to practices and stuff. He didn't practice, but he showed up. And uh, and you know what? Say la vie. They got a fourth rounder that as long as he plays t- or is active for 10 games, it turns into a third rounder, which in running back trades, that's as good as it gets. You're not getting more for a running back. Okay? The Browns know how to trade running backs because they got a first for Trent Richardson. No one will ever trade a first because of that again. So Duke is gone. Shout out to a guy who battled on a 1-31 team and had to play for Hugh Jackson. Uh, good luck in Houston. I think you'll do really well there. And I think with uh, being kind of like the safety net to Deshaun Watson, he could get a lot of cheap catches, especially since that O-line is so bad. He should kind of just be sitting around the line of scrimmage at all times. Like, that's what you should do with Duke Johnson is just have him kind of play right on Deshaun Watson's hip. And when the O-line breaks down, leak out to where there's the least amount of defense and be able to be Deshaun Watson's dump off. I think it's a pretty good offense considering uh, Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins can stretch the field so well, you need a guy underneath. So this is a pretty good, pretty good option, and he's going to be hurt in the AFC this year. Fortunately, the Browns don't have to play him. Uh, he will, you know, be, you know, fighting for the same playoff spots the Browns are fighting for because 
oh, I don't know if you've heard, the Browns are actually good now. And as much as the hype around the Browns is sickening to a lot of you guys, a lot of people that are like, okay, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about the Browns. It's like, oh, the Browns have been good for five seconds, not even a moment on the field. And people are tired of it. You know, we were tired of 20 bad years of football. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be a little excited. Now, if national media members are crowning them, they shouldn't do that yet. But they're not crowning them. They're just saying the Browns are going to be competitive. The Browns are going to be Super Bowl contenders. That's not a crazy thing to say. To say someone's a Super Bowl contender, you can have like eight or nine Super Bowl contenders, okay? And the fact is, the Browns have the players, the youth, the quarterback to say, yeah, this team can compete. If, if they look like the best team in the AFC North, which they might be, Yes, you're a Super Bowl contender if you if you're the best team in your division. So I don't I, I don't understand why people hate that so much. The Browns need to win their division. That's the goal. Now, what do I want from this season? I just want steps forward. They're seven eight and one last year. I want a fucking winning winning record. I want a playoff spot. I want the AFC North, and I want a playoff win. I want to beat the fucking Patriots. I want to go to the Super Bowl, and I want to win that. So those are my goals for this season. To not win the Super Bowl doesn't make this a failure, but to go backwards, that makes us a failure. To say, you know what, we have more problems than we thought, that's that makes us a failure. Uh, I I don't think this team is perfect. I don't I think this is a team that is going to win more games than they lose. But I think there are major problems that aren't being addressed. Number one. Right guard is a mess right now. We drafted a guy 33rd overall last year in 2018, and he hasn't sniffed the field. And then we bring in guys that were cut from the Bears, and you know, who knows where else. Cut because they lost their jobs to guys that were drafted after Austin Corbett. The Browns drafted 33rd overall. Um, and and he, you know, Austin is in a battle right now for right guard. He needs. To, We need someone to win the position. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you're the 33rd pick or you're an undrafted free agent or if you were cut from the Bears. I need someone to win this job because there are too many question marks in the offensive line because we had veteran tackles last year come in below market value, Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard. I think they overperformed as to what their ability is. And we are depending on that to happen again. In the games where we had bad tackle play, Baker suffered. And when Baker suffers, this team won't win. You know, I hear a lot of people saying, we need a better backup quarterback. No, it's it, it doesn't matter. We need to keep this quarterback standing. Because if he goes down, there's not a backup quarterback in the league that I that or available that I look at and say, you know what? We have a chance to win with that guy. No, the chance to win is with Baker Mayfield. Now, we did improve at wide receiver where, you know, Baker's so good, he can make any receiver good and make any offense go. I mean, he was winning last year with Brashad Perriman. He can win this year with Odell Beckham. But the bigger concern I have is with the offensive line. We traded away a top-notch right guard in Kevin Zeitler. And we're going to miss him because... You know, Geno Atkins is going to come through and destroy our right guard one game. And it's like, we should not be competitive with the Bengals. We should be beating the shit out of the Bengals. 
but instead we can't protect our quarterback. Now, maybe I'm being a little over dramatic, but this is important shit because on the offense, we really don't have a lot of holes except that our offensive line, in my opinion, is shaky. I know what the stats say. I know what they did last year. And I appreciate everyone saying, according to pro football focus, according to whatever, 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 they did well. I know they did well. I watched the games. But you're relying on that to stay up. And, you know, in 2009, the Miami Dolphins defense did very well and got them to the playoffs. But that didn't carry over to 2010. 2010, they're a bad fucking team that relied on the Wildcat and their defense didn't lead the league in turnovers. You know, this last year, the the Browns were amazing at forcing turnovers. They never got a defensive score. They never got a special teams touchdown. And their offensive line outperformed. So I'm not trying to be negative. I'm never negative. And this is the best Browns team in my lifetime. So it's funny that I'm now being like, hold our horses. But... I just want to say that because a lot of people are getting annoyed at Browns fans recently. I don't want to be that one to, to that you get annoyed with. I will say this. I look at the Titans. I look at the Jets. I say, we're better than those two teams. I look at the Rams and say, you want to come to Cleveland Sunday night football? If the Browns have momentum going into that game, that stadium is going to be fucking hyped. And if they lose one or of those, both of those first two games, the Browns will be angry, pissed off, and desperate and their fans will be angry and pissed off. So I like the Browns on that Sunday Night Football game a lot more than people do. People are counting that to be a loss already. You know, just hold hold your, hold your the phone there, mister. Then you got Seattle coming to town where it's very, it's, it's obvious. Seattle gets most of their wins at home. And then they just basically need to be a 500 team on the road and they'll make the playoffs every year. So they look at the Browns game and they say, okay, well, We'll beat the Bengals on the road, but do we beat the Browns on the road? Probably not. Just something to look out for. <sighs> I'm excited for football. And this past week, the Browns actually did have a preseason football game, so we finally got to see them on the field. Finally got to see what we've been like waiting for. And what they do, they started right off in two-minute offense, and it was awesome. First play, incompletion to Derek Willies. The ball was a little behind him. Okay, you let it go. Second play, hit Jalen Strong in strike, 12-yard pickup, first down. Second play, okay, uh, drops back, Nick Chubb leaks out, dump it off to Nick Chubb, picks up 12 yards, first down. Okay, next play, handoff, Nick Chubb, supposed to go to the right with Nick Chubb's best attributes are is cutting back and vision. And what does he do? He cuts back, picks up another 12 yards. Browns are marching. Pass to Dontrell Hilliard, first down. Pass to Dontrell Hilliard again, another first down. Touchdown, strike to Richard Hollywood Higgins. All without Jarvis Landry, all without Odell Beckham, not even looking at David Njoku, the Browns march down the field. I know it's preseason. I know it's just one drive. I know you probably caught them off guard. So many excuses to come up, but it is really nice to see this offense look sharp, and to be the offense we remembered from the end of last year. People are going to question Freddie Kitchens and stuff. And he's going to have his moments where people are going to question him. But this was exciting stuff. And it was exciting to see the Browns get back out there. They dominated in the win. They won 30-10. to 10. And they also, that was with two fumbles inside the 10-yard line. One right at the goal line. Another around like the 5-6. Uh, 
that, you know what, even if you add six more points there, or they should have had the touchdown, the Dontrell Hilliard one, missed an extra point as well. That The kicking fiasco is going to fucking drive me nuts. I'd rather we just go for two every time and go for it on fourth downs and punt you know, when, when needed because, honestly, kicker is just way too much up in the air. We're going to be kicking our sh- ourselves over kicker this year. But Browns kicked ass. It was awesome. Mack Wilson had a pick six. The rookie, he had another interception. Greedy Williams had an interception. Uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, who is the real-life Willie Mays Hayes of this Cleveland Browns team, who slept outside of a gym, who lied his way onto the practice field to get in front of the coaches to earn at rookie minicamp to earn himself a shot at rookie minicamp, then to earn himself an invite back to camp only to be the first punt return touchdown I've seen since Travis Benjamin. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story, and I really hope this guy sticks. If you saw the touchdown, 86-yard punt return, he was barely touched. Kid can fly. He was zooming. And then in the end zone, about 30 Cleveland Browns piled on him because that's how well-liked he is on the team. Uh, really excited for that kid. Really, really pumped up because I have I, – I'm, I'm a big fan. And Antonio fucking Callaway can't keep his nose clean or whatever he's doing. He is suspended four games and has a high ankle sprain. So we're without Antonio Callaway for a while. There's a new opening at wide receiver on the team because you have four spots with, you know, obviously with Odell, Jarvis, Callaway, and Higgins. And Higgins is ahead of Callaway. He's, you know, the guy's a starter. Him and Baker have too good of a rapport. He's too reliable as a receiver. So that's the three. Landry, Higgins, Beckham Jr., then you have Callaway as the fourth, but he's going to be suspended, so there's an open spot there for four games. Willie's has earned himself the fifth wide receiver spot, and I am excited to see him play in those first couple games in Callaway's absence. Then you've got Jalen Strong. I think he's going to, I mean, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to earn being on this team, and I think he's going to. I think he's the sixth receiver, fifth while Callaway is out. So, do you keep? Another receiver, you know, are you okay with five while Callaway is out? Or do you want a sixth while Callaway is out? And keep that guy on for a seventh all year. Damian Ratley, you know, he was a draft pick last year. And missed a lot of time, um, you know, basically being on the bench. But also, he did get banged up a little bit, which was too bad. Because there were a lot of wide receiver injuries last year that he could have really taken advantage of the time that those guys were missing. But he showed some flashes against the Chargers, had a really nice catch, and it was like, okay, maybe this guy should stick around. But now, this is one of the deepest rooms in the league. Montgomery had a touchdown, and Sheehy Giuseppe had a touchdown. So, not really sure where they're going to go. They cut Blake Jackson because he was injured. Blake Jackson was seeming like a guy that everyone liked, and that he might stick. I hope it's DSG. I'd love to see Giuseppe stick. On the defensive side of the ball, I know we, we talked about offense, talked about special teams. Fucking kicker battle is going to drive me nuts. Defensive side of the ball, there's really less to be, you know, who's going to make it and stuff. It's really going to be who's going to play on, out of the defensive backs because, you know, there's a battle for the starting cornerback right now. And I kind of think that it's going to be Mitchell and Greedy will just have to eventually earn the job throughout the year, which I'm totally fine with because you need to play four or five corners anyway. So Greedy's going to be playing. Uh, he did get burned for a touchdown by the Redskins, but it was more so a 
lack of knowledge of the coverage rather than it was a physical ability to cover the guy because he was waiting for the safety help. Safety help never came, and he was just staring at a guy walking into the end zone. He's like, what the fuck? So I get that. It happens. Uh, it shouldn't happen in the regular season, but uh, the miscommunication was not good. Also, who's going to play at safety? You know, you have Demarius Randall out there, but you traded Jabril Peppers, so is it going to be Morgan Burnett? Kind of looks like it. Murray uh, had a good game. I think he had an interception. No, no, he didn't. I don't think he had an interception, but he played well. And uh, the linebacker position. Man, Mac Wilson keeps on intercepting players, flying all over the field. The guy's everywhere. Tell you what, I love Chris Kirksey, and I love Joe Schobert. But if Joe Schobert's going to command top dollar next year and Chris Kirksey is going to make $8 million, I don't see that happening. The Browns probably don't prioritize linebacker that much that they're going to pay those guys that much. They're going to say, you know what, we're cutting Chris Kirksey and we're going to go in with Mac Wilson, with Taki Taki, maybe pay Joe Schobert. They might let Demarius Randall go for Sheldrick Redwine or draft another safety. I just don't think John Dorsey wants to pay those positions. I think he'd rather pay receiver, quarterback, offensive tackle, defensive end, and corner. Like, I don't see him prioritizing linebacker or safety. Just like he didn't prioritize guard. He's like, I'm not paying both Batonio and uh, Zeitler this year. I'm not, I'm not doing it. So, those are those are problems for next January. No, next March. January, we're going to be busy, right? So, uh, exciting stuff with football season. All, right now, all you want to do is you just want to see the team stay healthy because I've seen enough. Okay, I, I like if I'm, I'm if I'm being honest, I've seen enough. I've seen enough with Baker. I've seen enough with with all the guys. They're ready. Let's go. Let's go prepare for the Titans. I'm I'm done seeing these guys play because I know what they can do. The the Browns team is so good with pumping out content. That it's like, okay, nothing surprising anymore. This is a good football team, and uh, I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to watch them play the Titans. I already got my shirt. I got a Dogs Gotta Eat shirt. Thank you, Maggie, for my new Browns football shirt. I'm fucking pumped for it. Uh, I don't know what hat I'm going to wear, though, to the game. I got my shorts coming in. I'm excited. I'm really, really jazzed up for this Browns season. I think we have a lot of good times ahead of us, and I'm going to make sure I get my faves back on Damon, Jake Burns, Brendan, Mac Robinson was great last week. Got to get Mac back on the pod. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Jeff Lowe, met Jeff Lowe at Parker house right before my birthday. Gave him a little shout out, called him large canine. Uh, he looked at me like I was a weirdo. That was fine. You know, you guys need a better slogan than large canine, but you know, one of my favorite podcasts, lights, camera, barstool. You'll notice that. They're one of my favorite podcasts because I'm basically like a dedication pod because half the time I'm getting my top five lists from what they're doing top five because it's fun to talk about. They have great top five lists and uh, I listen to them going to work and I'm like, hmm, you know, my top five would be this. And I'm like, well, maybe I should do that. Also, they're talking about the same movies and shit that I want to see, like Quentin Tarantino stuff and all that. So anyway, uh, before I get into movies and stuff, that's the Browns. Uh, we have... We have a lot of fun ahead of us, and I'm excited for it. I hope you guys are excited for football season two. I'm going to do my football predictions 
next week, as well as a fantasy football preview. So not going to get ahead of myself there uh, in terms of what to get. But just to give you guys a little hint, I am very bullish on the Browns. I know I say 10-6 and six every year. I want 11-5 and five this year. I know that they can fall short of that. I know they can do better than that. So uh, that's just this is my goal. I'm going to be listing my goal, and people are going to say, you're crazy, LOL, lols, Browns. I don't care. I'm used to it by now. This is, this is going to be a fun year, and uh, I'm ready for it. I deserve this. So, Okay, so time for a little TV talk. Uh, you know, in the summer, not a whole lot of things to watch. You know, after Game of Thrones ended, you're like, what, you know, what, what am I going to watch now? And I've been binging a couple things. Uh, Last Chance You, Euphoria, Stranger Things, I Love You Now Die, and The Bachelorette. So a lot of uh, a lot of just binge-worthy TV shows that I've seen. So. I'll give you a little rundown of those five that I watched. Uh, I Love You Now Die was a documentary series on HBO. It was a two-part series, I think. And they have a couple other shows there. It's like they're getting into these crime mysteries where HBO wants to put docs. Because that's what fucking people love these right now. You know, People love these murder docs. And I mean, I don't get it as much as everyone else does. I, I don't like seeing this stuff. This was very sad. Uh, this uh, whole I Love You Now Die, it was about this girl up in Massachusetts who was dating, you know, high school kids, obviously, because it's always fucking high school where they do this. Um, high school kids where this kid was contemplating suicide and his, like, quote-unquote girlfriend, who he had only met a handful of times and people didn't really know they were dating, um... She was convincing him he needed to kill himself. And it's crazy shit. And it was very sad because he eventually did do it. And they were wondering, you know, is this girl criminally, you know, responsible for this? Like, what is her, you know, they looked through her phone and they looked and she said, you know, when he was trying to kill himself, get back in the car and do it already. Or like, have you done it? Like, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you feel weird because you're gonna die. Saying all these nasty things. And I was... You know what? I wouldn't recommend this series because it's very sad. And I mean, if you're really into those types of things, it's it, it's very interesting. But in terms of what Jake recommends and what the Jake, you know, podcast is all about, this isn't up my alley. Uh, I was I was just upset watching a lot of it. It was uh, it was really upsetting. So uh, I know a lot of people are into it, though. You know, a lot of fucking people love you know reading up on Ted. Ted Bundy apparently has more shows about him this year than than anyone in the world. So, I mean, you know, people love Ted Bundy and, and Charles Manson and all these crazies who, you know, just fucking love to kill or love to be, you know, I don't know. It's not it's not my genre. So, I didn't love that. Uh I did, however, love Last Chance You. Now, this was the second year in Indianapolis or Indianapolis, Independence, Kansas. Uh, the first year they had a very strong season and it, this was a historically bad team. So to see it, them have a good season was like a big deal. Um, this season though, I think they only won like one or two games. They started out the season with a hot victory. Quarterback got hurt. Uh, they had a quarterback carousel like the whole fucking season. Even when the quarterback came back, he sucked. He was a Georgia Tech transfer and 
you know, lo and behold, if you're not good enough to play quarterback at Georgia Tech, you're probably not that good at throwing because their quarterbacks can't throw at all. So uh, that wasn't a surprise. I should have seen that coming, that he was worse than I thought. But you know what? It was still a fun season. And the way it ended, this whole, like, he said, uh, the coach, Jason Brown, who we knew was going to get, like, he just says way too much bad shit on TV to, like, to keep his job. And he called his German player, he said, I'm your new Hitler, which, you know, for being honest, that's not the most offensive thing to tell a German. It's a lot more offensive if he said that to a Jewish player, but he said to the German, the German reported to the newspaper, and, uh, well, shit, now you're fired. And Jason Brown got fired, and he's looking for a job out in, like, California or something, and I think Last Chance you just started filming at a brand new location. So uh, we're done with Independence, but it's a fun series. Uh, I love watching anything football-related. It's a combination of Friday Night Lights and Hard Knocks to me. It's it's a great combo because I don't think Hard Knocks is that great. Um, they constantly disappoint. The only I think really the only reason people like Hard Knocks is because it's just football from a different angle, and I love that angle of it. I just wish they did more with it because they're not that good of it. I think building the Browns is better than Hard Knocks because they focus on actual fucking players and not guys that are going to get cut. I'm thinking, I'm looking back at that Browns team last year. It's it's you know not to get on Hard Knocks too much, but I'm looking at that Browns team last year and I'm thinking, how did you spend so much fucking time on guys that weren't going to make the team? You know, Devin Kajust, Nate Orchard, Carl Nassib. I mean, all these guys that were like, okay, they're fighting to make the team. They're probably Brogan Roback. Everyone knew Brogan Roback wasn't going to make the team. And he was still fun. But, like, how many of these guys that aren't going to make the team are you going to spend time with? When it's, like, it's so much more fun to look into the lives of these guys that are actually good at football and hard-nosed football players. I would have done so much more to see more Joel Batonio. You know? And I know that's not, like, fun for people. But, like, really, if I said last year I want to see Carl Nassib, I don't think people would be like, yeah, show me Carl Nassib. And they cut Carl Nassib. And they cut Kajust, and he never even landed anywhere. And it's like, now you're looking at this Browns team, and you're like, wow, they really wasted the Browns season. Now, I know they wouldn't be able to do this this year anyway because Freddie Kitchens is a rookie head coach, and you can't force rookie head coaches to do hard knocks. But you look at, like, DSG, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, that's a guy I would have liked to follow. His story is actually interesting. He was homeless, he was sleeping outside of a gym, and he lied his way onto the Browns. That's fucking interesting. It's Willie Mays Hayes. That's cool. I would have liked to have seen that. There's nothing interesting about Devin Kajust. I'm sorry. He like he collects rocks. He comes from a wealthy family. He's a nice kid. He played football at Stanford. Like, that's not a lot of interesting. He's a lot like a lot of other NFL players. But like Damon, she he. That guy, that's interesting. And then you would have gotten him doing the punt return for a touchdown, celebrating with all of his teammates. Holy shit, would that have been better? Now, I know, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. They wouldn't have been able to do the season anyway, but you focus on one or two of those guys that are fighting to make the team. There wasn't a whole lot interesting with Nate Orchard. Carl Nassib just liked to talk on camera. That was all that was interesting about him. Like, he just knew the camera was on, and he liked to, like, yell and say shit. And it's like, all right, well, whatever. Um... I don't know. You know, going into Hard Knocks this year, you got John Gruden. You got Derek Carr, Antonio Brown. 
Um, there's not a lot going on with the Raiders, other than the fact that Antonio Brown in the last like two days has just completely exploded because he has frostbite on his foot and he doesn't want to play football anymore because they won't let him wear dangerous helmets. Like, how soft of an individual are you that you're like having a temper tantrum because you're you're you don't want to change helmets? Like, I didn't like when I got contacts in seventh grade, but I still got over it. I didn't go to the media and say, I'm not gonna I'm gonna fucking retire because I, I like wearing glasses, I don't like wearing contacts. It took me a day, I got used to it, and I'm back. Instead, Antonio Brown's like, no, I don't want to play with this fucking helmet. He tried taking his old helmet, painting it Raiders colors, and and playing with that. And they're like, you can't do that. The helmet's not approved by the NFL anymore. You're the only player playing with that fucking old helmet. But he plays by his own rules. Antonio Brown's kind of a fucking asshole, if you haven't noticed by now. So... He plays by his own rules. He doesn't want to do everything else that the NFL says you have to do. Even though they're like, that helmet's not safe enough anymore. You had your year grace period. And that's the other thing that bothers me. He knew he had his grace period. And he he, he went through the entire grace period instead of uh, ushering in the new helmet. Just playing with the old helmet and saying, fuck you. I'm going to play with this helmet as long as I can. And it's like, alright, fine. Well, then we're going to take it away. Then they take it away and now he's threatening retirement. Or... He can play with the new, safer helmet. He got $31 million. So it's up to you, Antonio Brown. But, I mean, it's it's kind of funny how everyone said Odell was going to be the distraction. And all Odell is doing is showing up to camp, signing kids' cleats, and learning high fives with little kids, and, and you know being a mentor to the young wide receivers. Because that's true. That's not me blowing shit out my ass. That's true. We've seen it. And Antonio Brown, what is he doing? He's gone AWOL. The Raiders, according to Mike Silver, the Raiders don't know where he is. He won't talk to anybody. He's threatening retirement, and he got frostbite on his fucking foot, and he won't wear the fucking helmet. It's unbelievable. And it's just, it, it, I, I, I'm speechless. So, you know what? It'll be interesting to watch Hard Knocks this week. I'll watch Hard Knocks this week. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, now they've got something interesting because they've got a real diva wide receiver on their hands. That's a diva, all right. He's an asshole, too. So, excited to watch that episode of Hard Knocks. Um, two other shows that I watched this summer were Euphoria and Stranger Things. Now, Stranger Things, it was good. It was fun. It was entertaining. The kids are funny. It, everything about it is fun. Um, I'm a little disappointed that in Season 3, we're still just dealing with a big monster. It's like, the they hooked me on this show... Because it was a disappearance slash something else was fishy was going on. And it was like the government was trying to cover up something that was actually like deeper in there and strange. And you could talk to a kid that was in this in an opposite world but was like, you know, you could touch him. It, it, it's very – it was strange obviously because of the name. But they never built off that. And it's just been like, okay, now they're just fighting with monsters that made it over into their world. And I'm like – Honestly, like anybody can fight monsters. Anyone can make a TV show about fighting monsters. This, uh, you know, I need I need more. And they're going to have a Stranger Things season 4. And spoiler alert to anyone who's listening and hasn't watched Stranger Things. But uh, you know, they killed off Hopper. Uh, I don't think Hopper's dead. They didn't show his dead body. They didn't show him die. What they show a room without Hopper. And 
All we know is somewhere in Russia, there's an American. And that's probably that's probably Hopper. He probably went through the portal and landed in Russia somewhere. Uh, that's my guess. Uh, the Demogorgon is still alive in Russia, too. So, look, we know there's going to be a season four. We know they have a strong basis to build on. I think they should have, they should take their time and get something else going on because now it's just fighting monsters. And to be honest, that's a lot less interesting. I liked it when it's the stuff that can't be explained. That's why I was such a big fan of Lost. And that's what originally got me into Stranger Things was it was hard to explain what was going on. And it made you curious. It made you wonder. Now that's just them fighting monsters. I'm less interested. But still really well done. The kids are good actors. Um, it's been a real resurgence for Winona Ryder in her career because, you know, for a while there she was just nowhere, no man's land, and she's really come back as and done really well in this. So I'm excited for them to eventually do a season four. But uh, you know, I'm not like itching like I had in past years for the next season. You know, I was I was desperate for season two, and I was really excited for this season as well. Uh, I like the whole Fourth of July theme they had too. It was a lot of fun. They really know how to hook you with a fucking trailer. They do so well with their trailers, and, and that's the one thing I'll always give Stranger Things is they know how to hook you. That that's that, I mean it's one of the best. I, I'm adding like I added that season three trailer to the Jake Hall theme. It's just Stranger Things trailers is in the Jake Hall theme. That's something I gotta get back to. I gotta get back to the Jake Hall fame candidates. Maybe I'll get into that next week because we're already over an hour in this one. Um, finally, Euphoria. Euphoria was wild show. Um, you know, everyone tries to do the romantic teen comedy with all the teen like you know situation and stuff. Netflix has a couple of those shows. Uh, ABC, NBC, every, everyone's always got that teen, you know, drama show. HBO doesn't have to play by the same rules as you guys. So HBO took it to a whole fucking other level. They incorporated not only drug use and like sex, they went way beyond that and included, they're like, well, how about trans sex? How about drugs, Jake, you've never heard of? And I'm like, no, I've never heard of any of this shit. It's unbelievable. Uh, like prescription pills. Uh, rehab. We're going to go with uh, basically the scariest fucking drug dealers you've ever seen. We're going to go with uh, a quarterback who's got family problems, who his dad is like in the closet, and uh, he might be gay too. Like a lot of shit going on with Euphoria. But it is really well done. I think it's one of the better shows on TV. Uh, it's only eight episodes. It's on HBO, so go check it out. That was the show of the summer. That season was better than what I saw with Game of Thrones and what I saw with half the shit I saw this year. Almost all the shit I saw this year. Euphoria will definitely be worth it for season two. Uh, Zendaya just absolutely kills it. You know, Going from Spider-Man to this... She's, she's, you know, making a good name for herself in the acting world. But Zendaya killed it. Big fan of hers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's TV talk for me. I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty pumped. I, uh, I, I, I liked those shows. I have a couple more shows this, you know, I'm going to be watching Hard Knocks this month. And I got another segment we're going to finish up the podcast with. But outside of, uh, outside, that was my TV for the summer. 
That was that was basically it. There wasn't you know, TV. You don't really watch a lot of in the summer. I don't have TV anymore, so unless it's streaming, I don't watch it. I got to figure out what I'm going to do for football because I want to watch the Browns on Sunday night uh, against the Rams. But is is that really worth it to do one? You know, get basically a TV package so I can watch one football game? Because other than that, I'm going to be watching the Browns at my dad's house. So that's a like. Do I do that? What's that's interesting. Do I get a TV package for this fall? I don't care about other football teams, so I don't really care about watching them. I just want to watch the Browns. I don't want to watch college football, but I could do that online. That's easier to do with the ESPN app and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of college, NFL football, no, I just want to watch the Browns. I'm going to the first two games, and the third game is on Sunday night, so I really want to watch that. But I could, you know, I don't know. you got to figure that out. So... All right, final segment of the day. I'm not doing any one-minute movie reviews because uh, you know that's going to just carry over into the next time I have uh, I have Sam on. Uh, but I am going to do a Burning Roses segment. Uh, the Bachelorette finished up, and it was a wild finish. Uh, Jed was her final choice. She picked him over Peter and Tyler. And Peter and Tyler seemed like they would have been really great choices, but she picked the one guy who was faking it the whole time. And he even told her that months ago. He said he came here for music. He came here and fell in love with her. She fell for that. She fell for him. She dumped the other guys, and now she wants them to give him her chance. Uh, her and Tyler went on a date after the final rose, and everyone was excited. I was too. And then he was like, okay, that was it. One date. And then they went on a date with Gigi Hadid two nights later. And she has the nerve to be like, oh, I thought I was going to get more than two nights. And it's like, you know what? Sorry. This is the real world now. You know, it's not The Bachelor where or The Bachelorette anymore where you get to dictate the rules and you get to tell all these guys what. This is the real world. Welcome to the real world. So uh, she made a bad choice with Jed. She knew the family didn't like her. She knew her family didn't like him. And she knew he came there for music only. Yet, she still picked him. And then it turns out he didn't properly dump a girl when he came onto the show. He led her on to believe they're still together. Uh, never broke up with her. Said I love you when he left. And uh, yeah, look at that backfire. It backfired poorly on poor Hannah B. And I do feel bad for her. But I'm not surprised in this ending. Because when they picked her, I said, she's going to fall for a guy. And she's not going to figure out that he's not into her. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. He's not into her. I'm sorry, Hannah B. But now we move on. They're going to, they have plenty of good options for the bachelor. You know, they have Mike who could be the first black bachelor, which he'd be a great choice. Great choice. And then of course they have the other two finalists, Peter and Tyler. Who, it depends on, you know, if those guys want to do it because Tyler's, like, dating models now. It's, like, good for him. You do your thing, Tyler. But I think they'd both be very watchable bachelors. Um, and and that would be, that would do them well. They need someone that, like, people would get into. They don't need to go off the beaten path with like they have in the last few years. Colton was a risky choice. It worked out really well. But Ari, shitty choice. Nick Vial, shitty choice. Whoever was before them, the other Bens and shit, they were all bad choices. So uh, they need a good choice here. And a good choice, yeah, that'd be Tyler, Mike, or Pete. And it really comes down to 
how Bachelor in Paradise unfolds. That's right. So we're going to jump right into that. This Burning Roses episode is a BIP preview. Uh, we are through one week, and Bachelor in Paradise is fucking amazing. The story is all about Blake right now. Because before coming on Bachelor in Paradise, he was hooking up with Christina where they were together for like six months. Then at Stagecoach, which I think is apparently this music festival in Texas or something, uh, he hooked up with Christina one night and then the next night hooked up with Caitlyn. Now it sounds like he didn't want anyone to know about him hooking up with Caitlyn. Uh, but Christina knew. So I don't really know the details of was he hiding her from Christina? Was he and Christina not a thing? But she was hurt by it. She was hurt. And Kaylin was hurt by the way that he acted like nothing happened and swept it under the rug. Then she approached him about it. It looked bad on TV. And what does he do? He then tw he puts on Instagram all of their texts together looking like a complete coward because it's like he cares so much about his self-image and he is so insecure that he needs to put it out there that he's like, I'm not wrong. Look, I'm not wrong. Watch, look at the text. She wanted to come over to have sex. And it's like, dude, you're dragging her through the mud over this. When all you should have did is approached her like a real man and say, hey, listen, um, I know both of us you know, have had our thing in the past, but I kind of came here to, you know, see if see if I could do something new. See for something new. And you know what? She probably would have respected that. But she didn't she came in there, she had a vendetta against Blake, and then when he didn't talk to her, she freaked. And now it comes down to we haven't even seen a rose ceremony yet. We've watched four hours of Paradise and we don't even have a rose ceremony. The guys are handing out the roses, so the guys have the power. Um Christina and Kaylin have already made their moves onto other guys because they know Blake's not gonna pick them. Uh this this season is going to be so much more than just Blake too, because I've had enough of his drama already, and Kalen has, you know, really only been on Paradise to talk about him. So we'll see how they do. But she already she roped in Cam like a sucker. She you know she just sees she's like, hey, I just I feel bad. I feel like we haven't gotten to like know each other yet, and gives him like the like rub on the arm, knowing that he has a rose and he has no one to give it to, and she's just like isn't this so crazy? And then makes out with him. And it's like, and then Cam, such a fucking idiot. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll just give her my rose. I'm like, you stupid idiot. You're going home next week. <laughs> it's so funny. But you know what? Whatever. Cam deserves it. He's such a piece of shit. Uh, but then Blake, I don't know what he's going to do. There are a couple like relationships forming. Nothing is that interesting right now. It's just knowing that everyone's going to fucking cry this season is going to be so much fun. So excited for another season of Bachelor in Paradise. This show is wild. I finally got my sister and my mom to start watching it. My sister's like, no, my roommate's been having me watch this for the last couple of years. I'm like, um, Maggie, I've been telling you to watch Bachelor for almost 10 years now. So don't give me that shit. Oh, it's good. It's good to be back in paradise. August is such a fun fucking month. <laughs> anyway, I have a bunch of OMMRs to get to. We saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then we watched Inglorious Bastards and uh, whatchamacallit, Django. So I got a lot of things to get to, but this has been a long podcast. Uh, and I'm kind of done talking, and I'd like to have guests on to talk OMMR. So no MMRs this week, no top five. It's a straight-up baseball, football, 
and uh, like TV review, right? That's all we did. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to go to a little day party right now, have a little fun, and uh, appreciate y'all listening. I will be back next week. We're going to do NFL predictions. We're going to do a bunch of movie reviews. I uh, got a couple Quentin Tarantino ones. Maybe do a top five around that. So thanks for listening. Come back next week. Everyone have a great weekend. Waiting for